0: The three questions that I gave to you guys to think about the, the focusing on others, right? How do we get our mind off ourselves and our world? It's to think about the people that we come in contact with. And the three questions that I always ask is, who is this person? Like, who are they? What's their name? Where are they on this path that we're on? If, if this is a purpose, are they, you know, like Mike and his kids, are they on their way to eternity or are they still searching? And then how can I, how, how can we help them take a next step. Like, that's not just the pastor's job, right, with the vinyl, the vinyl nameplate on my shirt that says pastor. Like, that's not my job. That's our job. I was explaining that to Mike this morning. There's a reason why Mike helped me baptize his kids. Because we're here to make disciples who make disciples. We are, those of us who have accepted Christ, have stepped into that leadership role and said, you know what, I've got a mission and Mike has just as much authority to baptize his kids as I do once he accepted Christ and once he said amen. Proud of you, bro. I, I'm, I'm not going to be able to stop thinking about that moment. Forgive me. John lived a life focused on purpose to point to the coming of Christ. We, we looked at John 3, 29 through 30. It says, Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase Christ, but I must decrease Christ. See, when I focus on others and I'm leading with intentionality for what? For eternity, for what's on this earth and what's to come. You remember we talked about the definition of a leader? So I, I kind of made fun of all those leadership courses that we take and all the books we read. I, I want to give us a better definition of leadership, and that's a leader, we're talking about spiritual leaders. All right, if we're talking about authority, God, then us, then everyone else, we're spiritual leaders. A leader is someone who walks with God, my personal walk, who works with people, who, who can work with one another to what? To accomplish a mission. Like it's, there's actually a mission, a job, this thing that we're supposed to do while we're here on this earth. And a lot of us check the box and we go to church and we come through the doors and we say, I'm all good, like I'm in. And it's, that's one part of it. We're walking with God. We're working with one another to accomplish this mission. And then why was John all in on that, all in on God's plan and not his own? Because he trusts God. Like, he just says, I, I trust you, I get it. You know, some of us has, have this high, like, faith in us where, like, I'm one of them. I, was, I accepted Christ as, as a child, you know, at 10 years old, a lot like Mike's kids, young age, and I believed it first time i heard it like i was raised in church and i said i'm in like i believe it i i literally didn't have any doubts and i've tested that faith my entire life and some of us still have questions and we're like you know what my faith bucket isn't that full larry like (laughs) i i'm not like you where i'm blindly jumping in yet and that's okay too it's a path that we're on john trusted god's path his plan Jeremiah seventeen 7, 8. This is one of my favorite scriptures. It talks about this trust. It says, Blessed is the man or woman who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. Think about that for a minute. Not just trusting in the Lord, but trust is the Lord. It's, a, it's everything. He is like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. And it's not anxious in the year of the drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. I mean, even as the wildfires rage in, in Australia, right? You can't wonder how many of those trees are saved, the ones that are planted by the stream, by the water. Like, I don't know, that's pretty in, intense heat, but that's what came to my mind when I read this. All the tough times that we go through, all the trials and storms in our life, even, even what I heard in our prayer request this morning. Sometimes when life gets hard, the, it'll, it'll show us real quick. I know it did for me personally. Am I plugged into God's Word? Am I plugged in with God's people? Because right now life is tough. But I'm thankful in those years that I actually had my roots planted in the stream. That I can tap a brother on the shoulder. Like, this is, this is for real. If you don't have a, a man or two in your life for the men and a, for the women, a couple women in your life, that can grab you and wrap their arms around you and say, I'm with you. Because those storms come. Like those fires will rage. Like everything in God's word says, doesn't say our life's going to be easy, right? It says it's going to get hard. But what it says here is, He is like a tree planted by the water that sends out the roots by the stream and does not fear. When heat comes, for its leaves remain green. And anxious in the end is not anxious in the year of the drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. I could probably spend all day in that, but that's just kind of a recap of last week. I added a little bit extra there, but go back and listen if you didn't if you didn't catch that one. That was living with intentionality, focused on the mission. Today we're starting with a second part of this message in last full measure and it's strategy and planning. It's a strategy forward. So the reason why we're talking about intentionality and strategy, next week we'll be talking about tactic, tactical training, how to resist the enemy. This is all kind of military-based. It's because I'm springboarding off of the story about the young man in Vietnam. Let me read it again. There's a blockbuster movie coming out. His name is William Pittsburgher, United States Air Force, para-rescue. This young man... I think he was just over 20 years old, and he was finishing up his, uh, his tour of duty, and one of, their, um, one of their platoons out in the jungle were getting attacked uh, by the Vietnamese Army. And his, his um, supervisor came in and asked for volunteers for men to come out and help save. So he was a pararescue guy, rappelled out of a helicopter to help save these men who were being attacked. Let me read as a recap. 21-year-old Pitts, that's his nickname that the guys gave him, knew how dangerous his position was. Although as a first-timer, he was in the final months of his enlistment and had already completed more than 300 rescue missions. He also knew, if they're still fogging up, Emo, I'm way too hot on this one. (laughs) Kidding. He also knew that the standard procedure called for him to care for the wounded and then pull out. Yet when his sergeant, was operating the hoist, was beckoning Pitts to get back in the helicopter that he had done enough. The young medic just waved him off and said, I'm staying. After about an hour and a half, intense fire made it impossible for the chopper to return. Pitts was on his own. He made stretchers out of saplings, splints from vines and branches, collecting weapons and ammunition from the dead. He passed them out to all the wounded soldiers, even giving his own pistol to one man who was so badly hurt that he could not hold a rifle. When Pittsbarger had done all he could, he began firing on the enemy. His sergeant had said, the sergeant that was trying to pick him up, had said, it was so dark in the jungle you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And after saving 60 men that evening in a 48-hour period, Pitts ultimately gave his life. So this is a movie that's coming out at the end of January. We'll see when it hits Kodiak, right? I'm learning about the Kodiak film schedule. (laughs) It teaches patience. But Pitts gave his life. That movie's called Last Full Measure. And I love that because much like we were talking about last time, like, this guy said, I'm not in this for me. Like, Pitts wasn't around to receive the Medal of Honor that he ultimately got, right? His family got that. But he said, I'm not in this for me. Like, I'm giving it all for my brothers and sisters, right? I'm giving it all. And he did. So this week we're talking about a strategy forward. God does have a strategy for us. It is plain as day. It's right in his word and a plan for us. You've got your sermon notes, um, or you can pull out your Bible, your, your real world Bible, your traditional Bible, or your digital Bible on your phone. Will be in Psalm sixteen, eight through eleven today. I, and it starts in eight. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices, my flesh also secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or Hades or Hell, you could translate that word, or let your holy one see corruption. This is is the part we'll focus on today. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The strategy, and this is the first point in your outline, there is a strategy to go forward for life, an intentional path given to us. Like it's intentional. Intentional. It is so clear, and it's like God's strategy and His plan. There's a reason why He sent Christ, and if you look at what Christ was actually doing, if you go back and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can see Christ was on this path, and He had very clear next steps for everyone. You remember last week we talked about everyone Christ encountered, He had something to say. He had an action step for for them. Go and sin no more. Come and follow me. He actually had something for them to do. We were made to enjoy this life on heaven and earth. Like, I, I love saying that to people. Like, this life was really made for us to enjoy. Like, much unlike what we experience on a daily life. Like, who in this week had, had one person encourage them right at work? Like, tell them Bruce did. Good job, Bruce. I mean, seriously, though. Like, how, how rare is it that we encourage one another? that we celebrate together except for christmas new year our birthday right like why god made us to live this life and and to live it to the full to have heaven on earth now and for eternity like we miss that sometimes because why and this is what happens when we're not focused on others is when we start focusing on ourselves and our thoughts get what does that lead to pretty quickly our worries like our fears like, you know the definition of depression, it's, and it runs in my family, so you guys might have to kick me in the rear sometime and say, all right, it's time to get out of that. I'm, I'm half kidding. <laughs> it, the definition of depression is just fast-forwarding to a negative conclusion. And how often do we do that? How often in our minds and in our hearts do we fast-forward to the worst possible scenario of what could happen? I'm not trying to be Dr. Phil up here. I'm just, I'm just trying to explain a little bit of God's Word. So let me go back to it. I have set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul. To shield or let, the, let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is the fullness of joy. He's trying to say, he's trying to like tell you and me, hey, I do have joy for you. And I have full joy for you. And you, you can have it if you're walking along this path with me. Like how many of us have been in this room and have stepped off the path and done our own thing? right? Like, (laughs) I don't know about you, but in my family, like the joke is, there's an 18-wheeler waiting for you off the path, like literally, and it's not just sitting there. It's going 100 miles an hour, and it's real, and I don't get it. It's one of the things that I want to talk to God about one day. It's like, I could tell you like Vietnam-like stories based on every one of my family members that have stepped off the path. Like it's almost as if God has a a huge plan for them. And as soon as they got out of His protection and presence, like man, the enemy was waiting for them. I won't scare you with all those stories today, but it's real. It's called spiritual warfare, and that's maybe what we'll talk about next week, resisting the enemy. There's a strategy forward for life, and it's an intentional path, and I'd like to share that path with you. I'll be very practical and specific today. Um... And I want, I want each of you to say, where am I on this path? Like this goes for those of us who have been believers for 20 years, our whole lives, and those of us who are still kicking the tires, like seeking, is this for real? Is this true? I, w- I just want you to take in a self-evaluation and circle one of the four areas on this path. Are we living with purpose? Are we even on the path? As we begin a new year, I just want to commend this, this to you. Uh, to think, think through this, pray through it this week. I mean, start today, but think, where am I on this path? And, and here's a hint. If you're not experiencing total joy in this life, if you're not experiencing like real and lasting joy in this life, I can promise you, you might be stuck somewhere on this path. You might be going backwards on the path, or you might not have found it. Romans four eleven through 12. Before I get to there, let me just say this. Maybe, maybe the best place to start is with the end in mind. So this path goes somewhere, and it has a destination, right? So we're going to start there with the end, and then we're going to work our way backwards to find out where we are now. It's kind of a, d- a self-diagnosis. So I get to play doctor even today, even though I, I'm nowhere near doctor. <laughs> He's, he started to smile there for a minute. Romans four eleven through 12 says... It is written this is in the end as surely as I live says the Lord every knee will bow before me every tongue will confess to God so then each of us will give an account for ourselves to God So how how real is that for you I'll say I'll say about 4 or 5 years ago this became very real for me like not the fact that I'd already given my life to faith, that I'd, I've already been a pastor for 16 years, right? I stepped out of the corporate world, quit doing life on my own, little by little, right? And said, I'm all in, but this part, pretty real for me about four years ago. As surely as I live, the Lord says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every one of us. Every tongue will confess to God. And we will all give an account for what we did. You'll see there's a, there's a stair step on your uh, bulletin outline. And that stair step, it's experience, connect, influence, multiply. It starts at the first step and it goes up. And the statement above that stair step, I believe it says, How would we live differently? if we lived with the end in mind. So if this moment became real, the moment where we stand before Christ and we give an account, how would we live differently? So this is these four steps, experience, connect, influence, multiply. Experience is the first blank you'll see. That is come and see. If you really look at what Christ did when He came to this earth... And maybe some of you are here, this is the first question, am I here at this experience step? Have I decided to have a relationship with Christ? Have I decided that He is real and that God's Word is real? Am I experiencing, there's a better way to say this, am I experiencing the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ and God's plan for my life, or am I seeking? Some of you might be at this first step. And you, and you might have questions, and that's okay. Or you might say, I believe, and I'm, I am daily what? It's what you expect of me as a pastor, right? I am daily connecting with God in His Word, in prayer, praying for you guys, like giving thanks. What does that lead to oftentimes? Joy. Joy. It's like, I couldn't wait to get here this morning, right? I couldn't wait to meet Mike at the steps and Clyde and Riley. Like, texting Cindy Jones. She's, she's um, stuck in Anchorage and she wished she could be here. Um, Cindy and Eve are great friends with Mike and the kids. Just excited. Like, we're, we're experiencing the joy. Like, did you know that heaven cheers when we accept Christ? Like, all of a heaven erupts in cheers when we accept Christ. And, and people are baptized, it's like heaven cheers. And we can't even imagine that our minds don't, I don't think our minds can really allow us to wrap our, wrap our heads around what is that really like. But one day, right, one day we'll get to see it. So experiencing people who are seeking Jesus Christ, it's a personal relationship. I always say it. it's not about rules. It's not about religion. It's not, it's not about being perfect. It's just saying, I believe, who the, I believe that Jesus is who He says He was. Proverbs 8.35 says, For those who find me, find life and receive favor from the Lord. Like there's a church in Oklahoma, Tech, Oklahoma, almost at Texas, Oklahoma, <laughs> and the pastor's name is Craig Rochelle, and their tagline for the church is, find God, find life. Like it is like the simplest four words I've ever <laughs> heard and read, and it, it's just like it is so true. He didn't say, "Come to me all who are worthy." He didn't say, "Come to me all who are good." He didn't say, "Come to me all who do so many good works that you, you outdo your neighbors, and he didn't say any of that. He didn't say, "Come to me all who are perfect." who have never messed up. He said, come to me all who need my grace. Come to me all who just want me, who want life. We weren't called to clean ourselves up. He said, come and follow me just as you are. Turn from your sin and follow me. We can't do anything to earn His love, like all we can do is ask for forgiveness and say, you know what? I messed up. Like it's, it's the prayer we prayed with Mike and Riley and Clyde and said, you know what? I, I mess up on a daily basis. I think every time Johnny, Johnny Walker prays and, and I'm around, his first thing out of his, his mouth is Lord, forgive me. <laughs> and I love that because it's like a daily, it's like a daily clean slate. Like Lord, forgive me. So are you experiencing Christ today is that you the second one is come and follow me so Christ a lot of times he came and he he, he basically said hey I want you I love you and I want you to follow me he was calling his disciples Matthew 4 19 said and he said to them follow me and I will make you fishers of men so is this you are you connecting are you connecting with His church, with God's plan, with His people? And that's, like, it's literally, practically speaking, it's, it's Bible study groups. It's meeting with a group of people who are heading in the right direction. Like, the first part's experiencing that I'm connecting with Christ. The second part is I want to get connected into the body. Like, it's, it's what I talk about. Um, I've got a few men that I could tell anything to. I could tell them the scary stuff, the dangerous stuff, and say, you know what? This is the truth about me, and I need you to pray for me. I can tell them when I'm angry about something. I can tell them I'm struggling with a temptation. Like, I can tell them anything. And they're not going to judge me. And they're going to say, we love you, and we're going to pray for you. And we're going to hit you with a two-by-four if we need to to get you back on the path. Like, that's what a brother does. Same thing with women. That's what sisters do. We encourage each other. Are we connected? So, here's the diagnosis for the church in America today. A lot of the churches in America, I'd say in the 90%, get this experience and connect part. They get that we're supposed to experience God and walk with God. They get that we're supposed to connect with others. But But honestly, that's where it stops. I'd say a lot of churches today are satisfied with filling the pews, you know, with a full house like last weekend, great worship, you know, solid teaching. But this next part is where I think Christ really challenged each of us, His own disciples, even the Jews back then, right? He was trying to get their attention and said, guys, there's Gentiles over here. Like, it's not just about us. This next step, and if you're here, I, I am excited that you're here. And if you're not here, I'm just calling you to take a next step, is influence, is number three in your, in your bullet point. Influence is come and be with me. So guess what? I'm not leaving the first two steps, right? I'm doing them. I'm experiencing God in my walk, my personal walk. I'm connecting with others, with this family, with this church, with body believers. And now I'm doing what? It's no longer about me. Now it's about the people in my presence. My question is, are there t- one, two, three, four, five, how many people in your life are you influencing? Do you have two people in your life that you're pouring into and saying, follow me as I follow Christ? 1 Corinthians 11 one says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So it's interesting. I'll, I'll use my my kiddos as an example because they grew up in the church, right? So my kids have grown up in the church, and we're really careful of not pressuring our kids to, to we don't make them do anything when it comes to faith. Like we just don't, and it's a little scary, or it's a lot scary. <laughs> because why? We want it to be real for them. We want them to to find their own way, and we want them to watch us and say, "Is that real?" is God real? Is Christ real? And I want that. And believe me, if they followed my example alone, man, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> like, I, I will be in trouble. One day we're going to let Chloe get up here and just do a, a Q&A all confessional and you guys can ask whatever you want and they'll just tell you the truth and I'll, I'll be hiding. Like, I'll be hiding somewhere on Kodiak Island. <laughs> but one of the things my kids say and it always got my attention is, is dad, we go to church every week and we hear the same thing. Right? They always talk about Jesus. <laughs> like they're always talking about believing in Jesus and following Jesus. And that's true. <laughs> like it's true. And it's like, because that's, that's what Scripture tells us to do. But here's why it feels that way. And I'll, I'll just be honest. Here's, here's why a lot of people in the Church of America get... I don't know what you call it, they lose their sight and they lose the why am I even here. If that's been you, if that is you, I'm talking to you right now. It's because we've, we've had enough of just experiencing Christ and connecting with others, but we haven't ever really made it to the influence. Like we haven't ever just stepped out of ourselves long enough to pour into others to, to experience that full joy of what we've been called to. Like that joy is, I mean, being able to, to, to have baptism this morning with Mike and his family, I, I have to tell you, I'm like 10 out of 10 full of joy and called a spiritual high. Like, the endor- like Dr. Jones would say, the endorphins in my brain are like firing and it's, it's, it's amazing. But when we're focused on others, that we find that joy again. When we get our eyes off of ourselves and just our relationship with Christ, and actually start pouring into others, we find that joy again. Because why? Because that's what we were made to do. I believe the church in America would experience revival if they picked this part up again and started to influence others and make disciples and do life with each other instead of worrying about whatever it is that they worry about. So I'm going to drive this point home with a story that I found this week. I'm going to try to use my glasses one more time. So we're talking about the last full measure. And we started off with a story from Vietnam. This one's a story from World War II. There's a handful of hinge moments in history. June 6, 1944, or what we know as D-Day, was one of those moments. On that day hung the balance of power in World War II. And the fate of the world. One of the most unknown heroes of D Day was a man who never set foot on the beach in Normandy. He never commanded a single troop, he never even wore a uniform. Andrew Jackson Higgins. Higgins was the man responsible for designing a small landing craft that brought the troops to the beaches on D Day the whole strategy of war would have been different had he not had the foresight to invent that small landing craft. Higgins did it without any request from the military. So he's think, I think about this dude, and it's like actually one of my favorite things to think about. This guy is sitting back in his, his engineering drafting table, and he's designing this thing that no one's asked him for, that no one's commanded him to do. And even, even this... In fact, he did so by pushing against the wishes of the U.S. Navy. Who's brave enough to do that, right? Like all of our Coast Guard guys in the room? No, I'm going to do my own thing. (laughs) Like, how well is is that going to go? At that time, the Navy was only interested in larger vessels like destroyers and battleships. They had no interest in smaller vessels, especially not the one LCVP that Higgins had in mind. But Higgins saw what the Navy could not see that after crossing the channel, the larger ships would not be able to get the troops close enough to the shore. The assault on the beaches of Normandy involved dozens of battleships, scores of destroyers, and even thousands of Higgins boats. Tens of thousands of troops boarded thousands of Higgins boats. It's no wonder then that 20 years later, after D-Day, President Dwight Eisenhower casually told the writer Stephen Ambrose, Higgins, imagine this, our president gave this one man credit. Higgins is the man who won the war for us. Like I've never heard the guy's name. That's incredible to me. The title of that story is The Man Who Saved the World by Thinking Small. Think about that for a moment. Like when Christ came to this earth, he didn't, he, he, I mean, I always say this, God could have, could have done two things when he sent Christ to the thirst. He could have sent Christ just to wipe us all out again. Like, boom. Like, I'm done with you people, right? Like, you people, and then hit the big red button, and then we're gone. Or, he could have come to save us. And he, again, he could have saved all of us right then if he wanted to. More power than any atom bomb Like He could have just saved all of us. But there's something about how He wants each of us to have a choice. He wants each of us to consider, do I believe this? Do I believe in Christ? And do I want to get on with His plan and mission? So this last step, I believe, is how we win by thinking small. I believe every church in America needs to hear this. I believe every person in this room needs to hear this. Every Christian who claims to be a Christian needs to hear this one thing. Therefore, go and make disciples. It's not a secret. It's a path and it's a purpose. The last line in your sermon notes is multiply. Go and make disciples. And how many of us in this room can say this? I am making disciples. So I'm defining multiplication now. I'm planting churches. I'm sending missionaries. I got to have lunch with my new brother, Mike Haynes, this week. And he shared with me a little bit about what he's doing. He spent his life as a pastor. Sorry to, sorry to be Brett talking about you, Mike. but. And then I learned what he's doing in, in, in these last 25 years, I say the last quarter. He is investing in a hundred pastors, a hundred churches, or, you know, I don't want to quote a number, but he's investing in scores of churches and pastors and leaders so that they can go in there for and therefore make disciples, so that they can plant churches, so that they can send missionaries. And it's, it starts small. It's like So I ask, who's the one person in your life that you're pouring into um, I say, who are the three people in your life that you're pouring into? Matthew twenty-eight nineteen through 20. I think we've used the scripture in the last 12 sermons on purpose. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always. So here's some quick math as I wrap up. Let me wrap up on a fun note multiplication if three people in our church discipled three people this next year year two we'd have what nine nine disciples year three we'd have 27 year four we'd have 81 disciples fast forward to year nine year eight i'd say we can make a pretty good dent in kodiak island year eight is 6561 that's eight years. What's, what's the tenure of a pastor? You know, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 25. In eight years, we could impact almost 7,000 people. That's, only, that's just if three people in this room decided to take this seriously. Isn't that mind-blowing? I think we might be able to make a dent in Alaska if three people in the 23 churches on our island, if only three people out of the 23 churches on our island discipled, in year five, we had reached 17,000 people. Five years. That's impact. That's the power of multiplication, and that's what Christ has called us to, and I'm super passionate about it. Like, I'll, I'll wrap up with this. If each one of you looks at, am I experiencing Christ and God's love? Have I I decided that I'm in and I've accepted Christ and I've been baptized? If that's you, you, you've made it through the experience. And I want to invite those of you who have not said I'm in yet. like Come talk with me or talk with a few of the men and women in our church. We'd love to talk with you about that. Or are you connecting? Have you connected with a, a group of people with a couple of brothers, a couple of sisters in a Bible study or just something for encouragement for you or in serving within the church? Are you influencing? Have you decided it's no longer just about me? It's no longer about the thing that I care about. It's about you. It's about the others in my life. Or this last part. And I've already said it, and I've scared probably everybody in our church about it. And I mean, I would love to see us plant churches across Alaska, you know, across the United States, the lower 48. I would love to. And I've already had two or three people say, I, I'll put me on that plan. Like, I want to talk more about it. Like I, in, in five years, our church could, have, could launch three churches together because people are taking this seriously. It's, it's really clear. But let me wrap up with this. I'm going to make it simple again. God loves you right where you are. Like I love wherever you are on this path. It's not meant to be a convicting path. It's just meant to be a clear path. Like one of my favorite pastors used to always say, hey, when you come to these doors, you might not always like what I say, but at least you'll understand and it'll be clear, right? Amen? <laughs> like next week we get to talk about resisting the enemy, like how to, how to avoid landmines, like temptation. Like we're, we're going to talk about some real stuff, so I'll try to keep it PG-13, um, but, but there's a little warning and disclaimer if, you, if you're not ready for your kids to, to talk about temptation, then, then um, we'll allow you time to, to have them leave the room. Um, but we're going to be talking about what it means to resist the enemy so that we don't get distracted while we're on this path together, right? Yeah. I started, we started with baptism, so let me end with the significance of that. Um, a woman in our church sent me an article this week, and it was about God's grace. And it was Terry Johnson. Terry Johnson. And I just want to say it and then I'll pray and wrap us up and we'll, we'll get the band back up here. We can't do anything to earn God's love and grace. We can't do anything more or anything less to lose His love. Like He loves every single one of us. Like, And if, and if He loves us that much, you have to know and trust that His plan for you is way better than you could ever make up on your own. Like, way better. I've done enough talking today, so let me wrap up in prayer and invite the worship team back. Um, join me in prayer. Father, we love you. God, I, I am so thankful uh, for Mike and his family who, who decided we're in. I'm so thankful that that he is leading his home and he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and he's loving those kids and pointing them to you. I thank you for the friends and family that have walked through this life with them. Father, I thank you for every single person in this room who's just evaluated, searched their hearts for where they are on this path that Christ gave us. And I, 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 I just, Father, I thank you in advance how you're gonna get every single one of our attention to make yourself real to us, to show us that, that this is the only way to have a full life, full of joy. We love you. Please bless us, protect us this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.